On August 14th, 16 young Montanans ages 5 to 22 won the case Held versus Montana, the first constitutional climate change lawsuit to go to trial in the United States. They argued that the state's fossil fuel policies violated their right to a clean and healthful environment laid out in the Montana Constitution. My strongest part of my testimony was how climate change impacts me emotionally and mentally. I suffer from climate depression and climate anxiety, which I call climate despair. I um, actually create art in response to that, and my art got to be used as a demonstrative in my testimony. 20-year-old University of Montana sophomore Olivia Vesovich, who was born and raised in Missoula, was one of the 16 plaintiffs in the case. She is studying English education, women's gender and sexuality studies, and art at UM. I'm Lotus Portmoyle, and this is your Kaiman cast for the week of September 18th. After working in climate activism at Hellgate High School with the Missoula Climate Strike and the national organization the Sunrise Movement, Vesovich felt it was time to bring the issues she cared about to those who could make changes in state policy. That's why she became part of Held versus Montana. When I found out about this case, I knew that I wanted so badly to be heard by our courts with climate organizing, especially in Missoula. You work with a bunch of people that agree with you already and you're all fighting for the same cause and you're not changing minds. I knew that if I was heard by the courts, I would have the power to be listened to by the people who have the power. Vesovich's high school science teacher, Brian Conley, oversees Students Against Violating the Environment, a club at Hellgate High School. Vesovich credits him for introducing her to the possibility of becoming a plaintiff in Held versus Montana when she was 16 years old. Olivia was one of my freshmen in Earth and Space Science. She was a great student, so it was great to see her in the club. The cohort Olivia was part of, they were much bigger into the activism side of things, organizing events outside of school, so they took the club in that direction. UM's Climate Change Studies Program Director, Peter McDonough, says he witnesses students' desires to combat climate change every day. McDonough says Held versus Montana has set a precedent for young people to take climate action into their own hands. As a teacher, Held v. Montana represents a very public way in which youth have a voice and have tangible power. They're always told by older generations, my generation included, like, oh, we tried, now it's your turn, like, you'll fix it. And I hate that. It pisses me off to no end. It sucks to get to teach climate change all the time to people who feel like they're being told to change their behavior even while society is refusing to make any meaningful change. And so they feel powerless, they feel voiceless. They're not, but they feel that way. Held v. Montana is 16 young people totally rocking that boat and saying, in this very particular way, in a particular place, at time, in a legal setting, we have power, and look, we won this case. Now that's, that's cool. Vesovich and the 15 other plaintiffs started prepping for the Held versus Montana trial in 2019, but didn't meet in person until the trial began in 2023. We filed our case on March 13th of 2020, which was right when COVID hit. And there was a snowstorm that stopped us from being able to all come to Helena to file. I think it was filed by somebody who lived in Helena. A couple days later, we were in quarantine. So we hadn't gotten to meet throughout the whole process. We finally got to meet and that was just so beautiful to get to see everyone. We're the only ones who understand what this felt like. 
It was just fun to connect with them on that level. The trial began on June 12th of this year and ended on June 20th. The plaintiffs were represented by attorneys with Our Children's Trust, a nonprofit law firm that specializes in youth legal rights to a safe climate, the Western Environmental Law Center, and the Cowspell-based McGarvey Law Firm. Their complaint to the court focused on the outcomes of House Bill 971 and Senate Bill 557, which were passed during Montana's 2023 legislative session and added to the Montana Environmental Policy Act. HB 971 prohibited state agencies like the Montana Department of Environmental Quality from considering fossil fuel emissions and climate change effects when reviewing large projects like mines or power plants. For example, if a proposed coal mine would have detrimental effects on the environment, a state agency would not be able to consider those effects when approving or denying a permit to build the mine. So far, the state has never denied a project permit. Secondly, Senate Bill 557 changed the way nonprofits and individuals could challenge fossil fuel project permits. It made it harder for citizens to take legal action against a permit and required a state bond to cover lost revenue if a project was halted. We had been meeting with our lawyers for years. I'd been meeting with them since 2019 to talk about how climate change has impacted me. I had a meeting with my lawyers the day before to ask me some questions of what they think the state was going to ask me. There were questions our lawyers knew were going to tell the narrative that we were trying to tell. That's what lawyers are there for, is to ask the correct questions for the plaintiff to tell their story in full. Our basis and our grounds were that the state of Montana, through their energy policies, were violating our constitutional rights. The state of Montana has this provision that was created in 1972. The provision states that Montanans have a right to a clean and healthful environment, and that was our strongest standing. But climate change not only impacts our right to a clean, healthful environment, but it also impacts our other constitutional rights, like the right to the pursuit of happiness and liberty. Vestovich said it was hard to be hopeful in the face of climate change, but she realized that her constitutional right to a clean and healthful environment gave her climate despair legal legitimacy. Rather than giving in to her doubts, she made these feelings the focus of her testimony. When I was on the stand, I had one of my paintings titled Gaia. It's a self-portrait kind of, but also of Mother Nature, about how we're all connected. We are Mother Nature. We are also our human selves. It's of Mother Nature crying waterfalls while still being on fire. It embodies climate despair, but then there's flowers everywhere, which are to represent hope and the resiliency of nature and the resiliency of humans, and to know that if we work together now, we can have a future that will be beautiful. Vesevich says art can be a powerful way to bring people together, document history, and express emotion. She's been making art as a response to climate change since 2020. I can explain in my words how climate despair feels, but when you see what my painting looks like, it invokes a, I would say, an even bigger feeling. Art is just another level of communication that generates a lot of people to think in different ways. Peter McDonough says Vesevich isn't alone in her climate despair. He's been working for UM's climate studies program since 2019 and says he and his students experience hopelessness regularly. It's easy to build up guilt and shame and grief around climate change. We're all sitting in it all the time and don't really realize it, but there's so many layers to climate grief. The feeling of guilt of being part of the problem and not being a big enough a part of the solution is something that's weighing on all of us all the time, even the people who are actively involved. I do this stuff 
all day, every day, all year long, and I still wish I could be doing more. The most important thing you can do is have a community of people that also care. Maybe they're super active, maybe they're just good at talking about it, or maybe they're just emotionally mature friends who are good at processing grief and hard feelings of guilt and shame and dissonance. I think climate change often gets either misunderstood or boiled down into what's the science and now what do I have to do to fix it? That can be a really lonely take and a very overwhelming take because it's like, okay, here are all the scary graphs and now here's your carbon footprint, you tiny human. Being able to reframe our conception of climate change in less of like a here's a huge existential problem and here's my tiny little solution to it. Think about how it's affecting you and how you're processing that. Because some, some of us process that by diving in head first and doing this all the time. And some of us process overwhelming existential dread by detaching and denying and pretending it doesn't exist. Covers over the head because there's a monster in your closet kind of thing. That's a very human response. But that happens when we don't get to talk about it, when we don't get to learn about it. Like Put information where your curiosity is. Put conversation where your loneliness is. And engage in whatever way is meaningful to you. Vesevich found that meaningful engagement by joining the 15 other plaintiffs and their lawyers to testify in front of Lewis and Clark County District Court Judge Kathy Seeley at the First Judicial Court in Helena. They testified from June 12th to June 16th, 2023. I was terrified. I was the second to last plaintiff to testify. I watched all other plaintiffs testify. It made me feel more nervous because I was comparing myself to them being like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm not as well-rounded as them in climate activism. They're all so impressive. When you're around so many wonderful people, it's hard to not compare yourself a little bit. But I knew that the power of this case was that we each had our own individual story to tell and they all worked together to tell a larger story. It didn't mean that mine was lesser, which I kept having to remind myself. When I was finally on the stand, my voice was a little shaky because I was scared, but I felt a lot more comfortable and confident in what I was saying than I thought I was going to feel. I was able to make a lot of eye contact with the state's lawyers and the judge, which I was really proud of myself for because it's intimidating. Vesevich's testimony contained three parts. The emotional and mental responses she has to climate change, presenting her artwork, and how her physical health challenges have been exacerbated by the changing climate. I have exercise-induced asthma where I feel really big impacts during smoke season. It feels like I'm being suffocated. That induces some anxiety because it feels like I can't take a full breath during however long our smoke season's lasting. I also have allergies and they're getting worse every year because our pollen count is increasing and my eyes swell shut during that. The five-day plaintiff testimony included statements from the plaintiffs along with experts in the fields of climate science, policy work, and mental health. The next week, the state of Montana defended itself with three witnesses, including two administrators from the Montana Department of Environmental Quality, who, according to Our Children's Trust, said permitting projects does contribute to fossil fuel emissions and that the agency does not create laws but must implement them. The final testimony from an economist contained errors in math and misinterpretation of data, according to Judge Seeley's ruling. The state of Montana did not prepare a case to the extent that I had believed that they were going to. It felt truly shocking to be expecting to be listening to a whole week of experts 
testifying to why Montana should be allowed to continue business as usual and to have there be nothing was quite shocking and also reaffirming because it's evident that where we are in climate change right now, there is no denying it. Experts cannot argue against it. Academics cannot argue against it. Scientists cannot argue against it. It was disheartening to know that our state did not care about us to the extent that I would hope our state does, but at the same time, to know that our court system does care about Montanans is beautiful. Two months after the trial, Judge Seeley ruled in favor of the 16 plaintiffs. The ruling states Montana's fossil fuel emissions are a large contributor to climate change and the harmful experiences the plaintiffs testified about. It also prevents the state from enforcing the two provisions added to the Montana Environmental Policy Act involving project permits, saying they are unconstitutional under Article 9, Section 1 of the state's constitution. That section says, The state and each person shall maintain and improve a clean and healthful environment in Montana for present and future generations generations. Barring the two provisions means that state agencies must consider a proposed project's effect on climate change when approving or denying a permit, and individuals and nonprofits have more legal control when challenging a permit. Judge Seeley put so much care and attention to everything that we said in trial. It shows how deeply our stories impacted her and how deeply our stories impacted this case. She genuinely cares about Montanans, and she knows that we are just 16 voices in a sea of thousands of other voices that are begging for the same thing. It felt so surreal to win. It's going to be used as the most amazing precedent for other cases. That's my biggest excitement. I think part of climate change activism that's so disheartening is that there hasn't been monumental changes happening in the United States. This case I feel like is a reigniting of hope because young people were listened to. We were the forefront. The state attorney general is expected to appeal the ruling so the Montana Supreme Court will review Judge Seeley's decision, but for now the ruling remains in place. Peter McDonough says if the ruling continues to stand, he can't predict how much of an effect it will have on Montana's climate safety, but he does ultimately agree with Vesevich that it could open the doors to similar cases. Now there's legal reason to include all the externalized costs of climate change and all the social costs of carbon. Yeah, you could choose to build this gas plant. Now you also have to include all the damage that's going to be done by its contribution to climate change to our food security and water security and public health. It's not a hard win, like, oh, we can reduce carbon this much thing, but it's giving us firm ground to stand on to fight everything else as it comes. And it's a precedent for the rest of the country. That's kind of cool. This year, Vesevich plans to join UM's Climate Response Club to continue her work in climate action after four years of involvement with Held versus Montana. Now is not the time to give up hope, and now is not the time to stop taking action. There's so many different ways to get involved in this fight and so many different levels, and I think that any capacity you, you have to impact climate change in any way is going to be great. In sports, Montana's men's tennis team is in its fall season, but can it get over last season's struggles and possibly contend for a big sky title? And in news, 
Find out who is making the most money at UM, what it means to depolarize democracy, and what UM is doing during the red zone period on campus. Tune in next time as Clayton Murphy talks about some UM students' plasma donation side hustle. For this week's Kaiman Cast, I'm Lotus Port Moyle. Thanks for listening.